Welcome everyone. Uh, we have some other folks who will be joining us, but let's sit together for about 15 minutes until uh, 15 minutes to the hour. And um, please, if you will, uh, sit upright, line your shoulders with your ears and with your hips. Take some deep breaths and then settle into regular breathing and know that you are already everything you need and you're connected with everything in the universe.
Let's say the robe chant together. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Well, thank you so much to everyone for being here today. And I'm going to just, that's what I want to do, put it on gallery for me. Uh, I particularly want to thank Maria, who has already uh, pulled me out of the fire already, <laughs> at least once so far. And thank you, Maria, for hosting this and for uh, watching over the technical aspects of it and for all the things you do so much. Um, for any newcomers, let me say, I'm Joel Barna. I'm one of the first cohort of entrusted teachers in the extended Appamata family, along with Todd Bankler and Laurie Winnett in uh, Texas, uh, Josh Gifford in the UK, and Suzanne Kilkus in Wisconsin. And uh, I, want, I want to say that I'm delighted and intimidated and delighted to say that Peg Syverson and Josh are with us today. I'm seeing them on the screen. Uh, and Peg being, of course, our, one of our guiding teachers with Flint Sparks, who could not be here today. Um, Laurie was in the teacher seat last week, working with the people who came forward for a reflection on freedom and open heartedness that I found very moving. 
if you haven't heard it, uh, or the inquiries led by Todd, Suzanne, Josh, or Flint, please check out the recordings on YouTube or on SoundCloud. Starting with Peg and Flint, Apamata's presence on the web is an immense treasure house because of what they offer and, uh, and so many, along with so many others, and because of this project of open public inquiry into the Dharma. Speaking of that public presence, uh, just a reminder, as you saw or heard when you connected today on the Apamata calendar page, there's a notification that this is a recorded meeting uh, and it will be posted on YouTube and SoundCloud. And if you have any concerns about that, uh, if anything that your presence on uh, that, that you say or that you wouldn't want to have available for eternity on the web, if or however long that will last, um, you can contact uh, the uh, link that shows on the Appomattox calendar page, contact coordinator. It'd be best if you can do it right afterwards, certainly by the end of the day, and you can be removed from the from the recording before it's posted. Um, so I just wanted to point that out for anyone who has concerns about privacy. Those, those are certainly to be honored. Um, I also want to add a, another kind of housekeeping thing, which is I want to say thank you for your monetary support from Apamata. Um, your generosity pays for the infrastructure that allows us to connect, such as through YouTube for, and the various other uh, subscriptions that, that Apamata has. The teachings are, are freely offered, but there are bills to pay and your contributions are important. Under the generosity model that Apamata has adopted, gifts to the teachers are no longer being made through a kind of a fee-for-service basis as they were back when there was a charge announced for intensives and for classes and that sort of thing. Uh, now, uh, support for the teachers is made through the ongoing Apamata budget. That budget has been showing some strain uh, recently and, and is right now. So if you can help Apamata by contributing, that would be great. I just want to put it that way. Um, before opening inquiry today, I want to talk for about 12 more minutes. And as usual for me, it will jump around a good bit, but I hope it will come together at the end. Uh, I want to start by reflecting on something that Flint said when he was in Austin in April 2022. It was just a brief mention of something that he'd heard about, about caring for his mudra. Flint was giving a public talk, his first in-person talk in Austin, I believe since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. It was quite a celebration. More than 150 people in an auditorium at a classical radio station in Austin. We were gathered to celebrate the completion of the Dharma transmission process that Flint had been working on for many months uh, with, with Peg Syverson and with Vicki Austin of the San Francisco Zen Center. Maybe you saw the YouTube posting on it. You may remember the beautiful wordless ceremony that Peg and Flint enacted with us that day. Each of them held the tied together ends of two balls of red yarn and sent those balls out into the rows of people so that each of us could hold the thread and pass it along to our neighbors, each of us blessing the thread with connection and attention. 
Flint and Peg reminded us all, uh, reminded us that all of us were connecting back through them to their teachers and to countless teachers and sanghas for thousands of years that had handed the Dharma out into the world and into the future by holding it and living it. Later, if my memory is correct, which is not guaranteed, Flint said that the, that the ceremony had been largely extemporized and added to the event by him and Peg that day after he had found the yarn among the skeins his mother was knitting with. It's amazing uh, that what for me was a life-changing event could have arisen that spontaneously. There was another such moment for me in Flint's talk. As he had done in many of the previous talks he had given over the months he was working toward Dharma transmission, Flint spoke of important relationships, thanking Vicki and Peg and the many teachers who had supported his path over the decades. In particular, he talked about his late teacher, Zenke Blanche Hartman, and how she had led by her example of quiet, constancy, and fierceness, and how she had encouraged him to connect with the ancestors. Embodying the connections to the ancestors is an important part of the Dharma transmission, Flint said. He added that uh, a few weeks later, Vicki Austin had asked him a question. She'd said, what is Blanche saying to you now? Flint said that he had replied, she's saying, take care of your mudra. Hearing what Flint said, I assumed that what he was referring to was what's called the cosmic mudra, holding one cat hand cupped inside the other, I'm trying to mime it now, <clears throat> held in the lap with the tips of the thumbs, just not quite touching. There are many mudras, but this one is the one most referred to in Soto Zen as a way of positioning one's hands in Zazen. Other Buddhist uh, traditions sometimes talk about mudras for other situations uh, that can have or can convey quasi-magical powers. And that's why I've that's where I first encountered reading about mudras, and I must say it, it awakened uh, some resistance in, in me reading about them. Uh, of course, in my mundane way of sitting, uh, a cosmic mudra is a particularly useful aid to mindfulness. When my mind wanders while I'm sitting, it shows up right away in how my thumbs meet or in extra tension or slackness in my hands, and that calls me back to present moment awareness. Up until I, I heard what Flint had said, that seemed like a good enough reason to pay attention to my mudra. It's all about attention, even in the most small-minded sort of sense. Flint did not elaborate on what that message from Blanche meant to him, because, because of course, it was implicit in the context of his talk. At the time, that message from Blanche struck me as like, and I mean this respectfully, it struck me as kind of a ghost story, powerful for Flint, but easy for me to deflect, given my past experiences and, and prejudices. However, I found that it stayed with me, dare I say, even like a koan that I kept coming back to in my mind. I was recently reading Joanne Sutherland Roshi's book, um, Through Forests of Every Color. She says, that the two major groupings of koans are dilemma koans and mystery koans. She writes, dilemma koans show you where the walls and locked doors of your present room are. 
Then they offer not nicer wallpaper, but a lockpick. Mystery koans remind you of what is just beyond those walls, of what it is like to breathe freely and to see all the way to the horizon. Sutherland gives an example of what seems to fit both dilemma koans and mystery koans drawn from the life of the Buddha. She writes, when Siddhartha had nearly died of the harsh austerities he subjected himself to in his quest for enlightenment, he remembered a moment from his early childhood when for a few moments he had been left alone on a warm summer's day under a sheltering tree. He remembered it as a moment without the tension and striving of his current practice, a moment from which nothing was missing. A voice came into his mind, asking a quiet, overturning question. Are you afraid of this happiness? When Siddhartha could say no, he wasn't afraid, he set out on the path that would lead him to the Bodhi tree. Since last April, I have often experimented with the phrase that came to Flint in Zen K. Hartman's voice, take care of your mudra, trying to let go of my preconceptions and wondering what is this thing with my fingers and the backs of my hands and my thighs and my discomfort and how my mind wants to take me somewhere else and what does it have to do with my whole life and on and on in that vein. When I could stay in the present moment at first, I felt something exciting. I felt that my thumbs were enacting something, in fact, kind of uncanny, the sensation that I really hadn't ever felt before, as if some sort of virtual current were passing between them. Um, as an aside, I thought of the Casimir effect, which I had heard about during my 20 years as a fundraiser working uh, with and for uh, astrophysicists. Um, and that was fun. That was exciting. Um, a Casimir effect arises when two plates of metal uh, only a few nanometers apart uh, are held that way and they begin to be pushed together by virtual particles. You can look it up on the internet. So that was fun. And of course, while sitting, I turned it into a form of chasing after and grasping after that feeling. Then I got to waiting for what could come after that grasping and gradually, however, I came to realize that this aspect of the mudra experiment was just a gateway to something bigger and more mysterious. That all sensations that registered through the senses of this body mind, hearing birds outside, feeling the middle toes on the left foot all of a sudden, itching, seeing a flood of light through the window that I hadn't noticed before, touching my wife's shoulder in the night, watching as sounds turned into words that meant something to me. All of these were no less uncanny than that zing between my thumb tips. They weren't me, but I was them. Who was witnessing? What was being witnessed? My puzzle koan had turned into a mystery koan. Thinking about that, I was also reminded of a quote that I've heard or that I've seen from uh, Irish poet William Butler Yeats, who wrote at some point, there is another world, but it is in this one. I tried to find that on the net on the web, and I found another one from, uh, from a, a French surrealist poet, Paul Eluard, who's, uh, who wrote, there is another world, it is this one. 
and yet another one. There is no world, including this one. So often when I remember Flint hearing the disembodied voice of his teacher offering an uncanny, mundane, overturning instruction, I'm grateful. Dogen wrote, Buddhas and ancestors of old are as we. We in the future shall be the Buddhas and ancestors. Revering Buddhas and ancestors, we are one Buddha and one ancestor. Right now, does any part of you yearn to breathe free and extend all the way to the horizon? Is a part of you afraid of some happiness, wishing for nicer wallpaper in a locked room? Can you meet and take care of those parts with loving attention as you would a, a simple special way of holding your hands during meditation? Please now let those yearnings and those questions speak through you uh, in questions and reflections on the path. Thank you. Welcome to the training. Sheila, you're still muted. Good. All I can say, I think, is wow. It's difficult to speak after that. Thank you for it, Joel. Um, This world, no world, another world, uncanny words as visual images. Thank you so much for it. Um, in this world, I guess I want to report on myself and Becky Kane. I mean, yeah, Becky Kane. Becky first, she had, she's missing today because she had x-rays and ultrasounds performance. And I'm glad to be here despite a fall last night, which was not a stroke, but losing my balance. And that's kind of uncanny figurative too. And uh, I have an appointment with the doctor now, and I'm okay, and I'm grateful. And wow, wow, thank you, Joel, and Peg, and everybody else. Thank you, Sheila. Thanks for saying that about Becky, and, and thanks for letting us know you're okay. And your, and your wonderful words. It's so wonderful to be connected with so many people that have such depth in their practice. I wish, such I, I, wish I could have been there for that yarning ball. <laughs> That's just wonderful. You can, you can see what happens on the YouTube video. It's quite extraordinary. Wow, that'd be great. Thank you. Eileen, hi.
Hi, Joel. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I want to thank you uh, for your offering. It was just perfect for me today. Uh, here at Open Door, we have been trying to explore a little bit the ceremony of Zazen, which is kind of what we're you're talking about today. And I have found myself in that locked room looking for better wallpaper. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful for you to bring up that metaphor. Um, there is such great comfort in walking this path together. And that was exactly what I needed to do is to know that how you feel is today, what you're describing today is how I feel and I'm not alone. I'm not uh, so uh, in the delusion of the separate self coming here today. And so I want to thank you very much for your offering. Thank you, Eileen. I, I'm just reminded of all the times Peg and Flint have quoted other teachers saying, the path to awakening is through paying attention to your deflections and your resistance and your and, the, and all the ways you don't like to pay attention and 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 uh, I, I I hoped by pointing to that repeatedly in in what I had to share today that that could that could also be like a door you know yes connection and attention connection and attention just what you're saying I mean thank you so much thank you Joe. Francis Walcon. Here we go. Um, pay attention to your mudra. <laughs> I just that is so simple and so beautiful. And kind of all we need. I don't know if that just um that was that was kind of what stayed with me today. I like something that gives me something tangible and um, seems doable. Not really very doable in the practice, but something to focus on. That was a very nice presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Francis. I I I have not gone back and watched the video, so I may be misquoting. Flint, what he said. I hope not, but it is it is possible. What I heard was not just pay attention to your mudra, which is what I enact many times, but also take care that it, that it has the sense of apamata in it. Care, attention, loving attention, uh, just as Eileen was saying before. And yeah, and, that's, that's and to come back, come back to it, uh, not just not just do our during our sitting or meditation time, but to remember to take care of it and come back to it throughout our day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, ta very tangible. It is this world. There is another world and it's this one. Or maybe it is just that other world. <laughs> yeah, or maybe that other world. Or, yeah. <laughs> I've already lost track. Thank you. Or no world. <laughs> or no world. <laughs> Thank you. Maria, I know you can unmute yourself. Here we go. And I can lower my own hand. 
<laughs> Hi, Joel. Yeah, I loved that. I loved, I loved all the things that, that you were saying. And, and I too took away the same thing from that talk, the yarn and how we're all connected. And, um, and like Francis just said, you know, take care of your mudra. <clears throat> That's all we need. Cause I was just thinking, you know, it's, it's the little things for me that, that I know I'm kind of embodying the teachings at certain times and other times I'm not. And the, and it's, it's when I take my glasses off, it, it's the biggest thing for me is when I take my glasses off really slowly and I, I feel so connected. It's like, ah, you know, I'm with everybody, all the teachings, anyone that's ever been in my teacher, every, every person here, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm right here. But then the other thing is when I kind of pull them off and catch my ear, it's like, what world was I in? Where was I right then? I wasn't here. And that kind of tells me it's those little things that, that tell me, you know, that how I put them on and how I take them off. Am I here? Am I distracted? Where am I at? And it's that, that's the mood. It's another mudra, isn't it? It's, it's taking care of, of how we put our glasses on and off. And it's a real um, powerful thing for me. It sounds so simple, but every time I do it slowly, it's like, ah, ah, there I am. There I am, you know? And every time I do it fast, it's like a reminder to come back from whatever world I've created, whatever anxieties I'm making up. I'm really good at anxiety. I practice it a lot. So I'm very expert at it as you, you know, as I've said before, so it's kind of when I'm doing these things slowly, it's like ah, and I'm, I've slowed down and I've caught up with the moment right now. And uh, yeah, so it's also how we open the fridge, you know, how we open the car door, shut the front door, you know, how we pour the tea. It's all those little things that are the mudras in the world that can bring us. And even if we're doing it quickly and we catch ourselves, we can slow right down. And that's kind of what I do. And it's that thread. That's when I feel the thread. You know, when I've slowed right down, I've done something, it's like, ah, we're all connected and, and all the teachings are moving through me. And that's because everybody here and everywhere that I've been that's helping me to do that is accompanying me because we don't do it alone, do we? we? We have these, we're all interconnected. And by doing that, that means I'm different in the world with somebody else or something else. And it all gets passed on, you know, and just the taking the glasses on and off. But anyway, that's what I wanted to to share. Thank you, thank you, Marie. And I, I like I I really appreciate the turn that you made in that from a kind of interior focused gesture to connection, connection, connection outward to other people, and how your mindfulness impacts others, and 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 recognizing that that's always true and how we can, by paying attention to that, help this world we live in. And save the world from ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> as, we, as we say. Oh, yes. <laughs> and cause less suffering, which is what it's all about, isn't it? We're all just trying to cause less suffering and not make things worse, just not making things worse. And we can do that by simple acts of just slowing down Thank you so much for that reminder. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joel. Chris Schulman.
Welcome. Thank you, Maria. Um, I'm coming at <clears throat> I'm coming at my practice from a new angle today. <clears throat> I'm in um, a small um, Zen study group that's been meeting for going on 20 years. We have two members who are relatively new to the group, about five years. And um, we had conversations recently that um, helped me to understand that there's a whole body of Zen teaching and understanding that they have not, that our two new members have not absorbed as much as the rest of us because we've been at this practice longer. <clears throat> and um, the, the two new members, I don't know how much they've connected with Appamata or other Sanghas. And so anyway, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm coming today from the perspective of a teacher who's trying to understand what others need. And, and of course, teaching means what I've absorbed through my study and, and what I've, the experiences I've been through. And the um, tending to the mudra is a wonderful one because it's so eloquently, it so eloquently expresses that, that acute awareness of what is in the moment. And uh, Maria, I loved what you said too about taking off your glasses. I hadn't thought about the physical aspects of that, but the world changes when I take off my glasses. I'm pretty nearsighted and everything goes soft. And to, to get proper focus, I have to get, what is that about four inches? three, four inches, um, that's how close I have to get to see things in focus. And that's, um, that's, another, that's another metaphor. So Joel, thank you for your sharing and, and thank you for, see there were several of you who added to that. <clears throat> thank you, Chris. Thank you for for being in a group that's met that long and for welcoming newcomers and, and doing what you can. That's remarkable. It's yeah. been it's been great for everyone. Hi, Joel. Thank you for your words. I think several of us had wow moments today. And my wow moment um, and the one that I wrote down in all caps was no, I'm not afraid of this happiness, of my happiness. And in thinking about it in the context of a mudra, and you described the almost astrophysical zing that one can achieve during zazen, and then the, the possibility that you can come to cling to that and seek it. And I think the same is true um, for happiness, perhaps that clinging to the idea that you're not afraid of your happiness um, 
could distract you from life itself. Happiness is not a goal in and of itself, nor is the, the feeling that you can get in Zazen from your mudra. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure that's um, expressing exactly what I meant, but it did, it, that was my wow realization from today. And I thank you very much for your words. Thank you, Marla, for pointing to that aspect of it. It's so important. I, I will say, for me, I may, I'd rather stay in the locker room and, and look at the wallpaper kind of guy uh, and, and, and be afraid of happiness. So that was a, I've never heard that particular aspect of the story before. I've read other versions of the Buddha remembering that moment of happiness, but not that a voice came to him with that question uh, until I read it in this book. So I know that there are, that just points to the un, uh, unfathomable depths of reading I still have to do about Buddhism and learning I still have to do about Buddhism. But, um, both of those things, uh, deflecting, staying in the room, uh, grasping after the pleasant experiences, all of those are both mistakes and doorways into opening. You know, they can be all of that. Thank you, Marla. I see Liz and CJ have raised a hand. Welcome. CJ here. Hi, Joel. Good to meet with you here. Thank you so much. Um, at first, it, don't cling to the zing is what I hear you and <laughs> Marla saying. Don't cling to the zing. Um, this this um, recounting of, of Flint's kind of receiving <clears throat> from Blanche, this take care of your Udra. When I heard you, you know, in recounting that um, toward the end at one point, <clears throat> of course you referred to that as um, Blanche's disembodied voice, which of course is not in any way incorrect. And yet when I heard that, it struck me with some immediacy that it was also a fully embodied voice in the sense of it, I'm sure, quite sure, being fully embodied in Flint's body, but also kind of boundlessly embodied, not, not limited just to like you know, Blanche's so I just wanted to offer that to you as we're kind of meeting in this boundlessly embodied way too. Thank you, CJ. Yeah, I I did not mean that disrespectfully, and you and you point to something that is really important that that I hope my uh, my words did not obscure uh, that that this was my experience I was describing and nothing to do with what Flint was describing exactly, or maybe something to do with it, but certainly 
a, a very incomplete map onto what Flint was describing, uh, which had this, this aspect of boundlessness to it. Yeah, and didn't obscure in any way. In fact, it was so helpful to me to, to hear it that way. Yeah. Somehow this both disembodied and embodied. Yeah. And I will say also on what you said at the beginning, don't cling to the zing. That's great. I want to write that down. But also the zing is there. There it is, you know? And, it and just, the cling too. Yeah. Cling too. And the cling is there. Yeah. And those are both, those are also parts of life. Thank you so much. I want to say that um, in the past, if I've been attending inquiry and someone else was leading, if people were not coming forward constantly, it filled me with anxiety. Uh, but not today. I want to say I feel a wonderful companionableness right now. I'm so lucky to be with you. Sheila Fling, welcome again. If I may just ask, you suggested we look up the Casimir effect in <clears throat> astrophysics, and I would like to know how to spell Casimir. Uh, C, like Charles, A, S, like Sam, I, M, like Mary, I, R. Casimir. Yeah. Thank you. That may open other doors or make other connections. Be sure and be sure and share what you find with me. I'd love to hear it. Okay, thank you, Joel. That's a connection. <clears throat> so we are coming up to the end of our time together. Let's uh, join in saying the practice principles. And as we say them, please pick someone in another window and focus your attention on that other person as well as yourself. Expand the boundary of what, of what you're saying to, to at least one other person, okay? We'll go, we'll say it three times together. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. 
being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much, Joel. Thank you. I think there's so much moving around in all of us and others is in, in me right now. So thank you so much for that. And uh, Joel talked about offering Dana at the beginning of, um, of the talk, so I won't go into it. But um, if you uh, the place to, to go to offer is appamada.org forward slash contribute, and you'll see a place to make offerings there. And you can put in a box what, what your offering's for if you want it to go to something. <laughs> or someone specific. So thank you all so much. And if you'd like to continue for a further 30 minutes, then please do stay right where you are, put yourself into gallery view and I shall join you. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Maria. Uh, and uh, folks, uh, I'm about to go and get a COVID booster shot. So please send me your uh, support so that I don't come down with the flu-like symptoms that I usually get after the COVID booster shot. Thank you. I was sending you lots of meta, Joel. Oh, here we go. It says, and I shall stop the recording.